Hello and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we break down and review movies, TV shows, and other pop culture news. My name is Ivan, and today I'm joined by my esteemed co-host all across the river and a little bit down the south now, <laughs> my esteemed co-host Emmett. Um, today we'll be discussing season one, episode one and two of Marvel's new Disney Plus show, WandaVision. Wow, I love that uh, that honor of being esteemed now. I know. I figure we, we deserve the upgrade. We're like 12, 13 episodes in at this point. I lost track, but... <laughs> Who's counting, though, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah we do the... appreciate the patience on this one. We uh, we both wanted to get, a, a, a for me, a second viewing. For you, what is it, your third or fourth viewing by now? Third. third. <laughs> Probably fourth after this. But, yeah, we wanted to get a, a couple more viewings, and then I also had the, you know, the fun event of moving this weekend so that also delayed us a little bit so we wanted to get you guys quality content here as opposed to rushing it after the first yes. day so our nine loyal listeners thank you for listening <laughs> <laughs> let's talk news real quick there was a there was only a couple things that caught my eye the the big one for me uh was chris evans was in comfort conversations to return as steve rogers aka captain america in the mcu uh, it's not clear what he would be returning as, either old man Captain America that we saw at the end of Endgame, or could this possibly be like a tie into the multiverse? Could this be something? Uh, I doubt it's going to be for the Winter Soldier Falcon show, but who knows? Like maybe he just makes a, like an old man guest appearance there. Yeah, they usually so they tie these in usually around the time that they're either shooting or they're about to start shooting a new project. So I think you're right. This probably isn't for the Disney Plus show. It's going to be interesting to see. I, I guess since we're delving into the whole multiverse angle, like that's probably where I would bet. Yeah, that. everything's fair game when you have when you have the excuse to be like, oh, we're in another uh, <laughs> dimension here, <laughs> like another alter reality. I didn't give it much thought, but that's all. That also kind of opens the door for like Robert Downey Jr. to come back. As I just Iron feel Man. like he's done. You think I, so? I think he's said enough that like he's over the character, not like over what it accomplished for him, but just like he wants to explore new projects, and then also like the the price point for him too. He was making yeah a insane lot. amount of money for just a few like a few movies towards the end. Although I I gotta say though like maybe. And this is just speculation here, right? But like after going through this whole COVID crisis and stuff, maybe this is and and Marvel's very like stickler for releasing in the movie theaters. Like that would be a good money draw, like reuniting you know the some of the original actors, even if it's not necessarily their original versions. Like I don't think they're axing Tony's death at all, but playing like a alternate Tony or an alternate Cap, I think is probably on the table for them. Yeah, you know what that becomes, though? That becomes, like, Expendables 3, where, where you just have these, like, action hero uh, icons coming back way past their prime. And it pays <laughs> off for, like, the diehard fans who just yeah. want to see one more run, but it doesn't really pay off for the, a storyline. So I, as much as I would want to see Robert Downey Jr. come back, I feel like it doesn't add much to the to the universe. Yeah, and I think if they do bring him back at all, I think they discussed there's like a Disney Plus War Machine show coming up. Like, if anything, I know Ugh. like people were talking. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know how to feel on, on that. I feel like his character wasn't all that well developed, but maybe this is the time to, right? But they, they could bring him back like as an AI kind of thing, like they did in the comics. But other like that, I feel like would be fine. But I feel like if they did bring him back in in, in the flesh, it would be uh, 
I think I don't know if to me it'll take away a little bit of that impact um, of his death. Yeah. Maybe wait five years. Yeah. Um, but on the subject of multiverse and all that that's going on, there's been a lot of heavy rumors about Charlie Cox joining the um, the set over at Spider-Man Three, um, and apparently he has rap shooting on something um, over for it. And so for those of those um, our audience members not in the know, uh, Charlie Cox played Daredevil uh, or the Matt Murdock character on the Marvel Netflix shows. So interesting enough, I think the rights to for Marvel to be able to use those characters again, I think they reverted back back in November of 2020. So it could be true. There's, you know, right now it's a little bit of a rumor, but um, I I wouldn't put it past uh, Kevin Feige to bring in some of the Netflix stuff that worked. I just hope they kind of weave it in a little bit organically because the Netflix stuff. I mean, I don't know if you ever got a chance to check it out, but it's it's a lot more grounded than the MCU stuff, so it was never quite clear if it's actually supposed to be set in the same universe or not. Mm. So if this is true and we are bringing back Matt Murdock, Daredevil, I hope uh, I hope we do keep the actor if they do right. But if this is true, I I, I hope uh, I hope there's a good plan in there for it. Yeah, I never personally got into those. I've I've heard good things about Daredevil specifically. I just never committed the time to it. But would I'm not huge on the comics lore. Does Daredevil interact with Spider-Man? A lot, that yeah. Much? He does. Okay. Yeah, they show. Then like I guess ha- that would make sense. They share like half the Rogues Gallery, right, with uh, Wilson Fisk and a couple of the other villains. So, man, is everybody going to be in this movie? <laughs> so that, yeah, that's my other kind of thing I noted here for our news segment. It's um, everyone and their moms are reprising their role for Spider-Man <laughs> three, if you believe the uh, the news, but. Um, we we we're getting rumors that um, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire has a spider on set, so into the Spider Verse, maybe. I, I don't know. Like it's it's just this movie is setting up to be something very unique, and you know I'm I'm excited for it because it's Spider Man. At the same time, I'm also kind of you know like how much are we cramming in here? <laughs> you know, like it's a lot. I know they confirmed a couple of things, like Alfred Molina is going to be back as Doctor Octopus. Um, we have Jamie Foxx coming back as Electro. Uh, I heard Joey Diaz and everybody on the Metro train will come back as well. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> no. But the, there has been some great uh, fake news memes out there <laughs> of, like, everybody who's coming back. Like, I've seen... Um, Keanu Reeves yeah. as Keanu Neo. Reeves. <laughs> Did you see... Uh, what's the guy who plays Frank in um, It's Always Sunny? Oh, God, I'm forgetting his name right off the top of my jo- head. Uh, DeVito. Yeah, Dan DeVito. I saw he was, like, making a reprisal. Like, they're just bringing, like, every name out of the woodwork. It's so funny. I think the most abs- the strangest one was, like, Soup Man from uh, that episode of uh, <laughs> Seinfeld. This comic was reprising his role. <laughs> I'll say Jesus. It, it, it was, the headlines were getting a little ridiculous so at that point. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to see it. And I we're supposed to be getting a trailer soon is what I'm hearing. Um, so let's, you know, fingers crossed. I'm hoping this is a good one and it's, and it's due out at the end of this year. So that's a really quick turnaround. Yeah. And it's, if I'm, I have to assume they have a lot of the shooting done. So it, it's very impressive to keep this many secrets. The only thing I saw that was like a leak was like, it's winter setting around Christmas or something like that. 
I, yeah. Again, I don't know if that's legit or not, but um, it there's very what I'm saying is like there's very few leaks for something that's probably already shot and many people have already signed on to to be in. Yeah, yeah, and I I, I I'm hoping for the best on this one. I think the snow one is is legit. I think I saw some onset pictures of a snow machine <laughs> on there. So, um, Christmas. Not that, that gives anything away though. No, but it does. It does add into. Um, I think now we'll have a. Uh, wait, no, no. We already had a Christmas themed Marvel movie, didn't we? Or Christmas setting, I guess is the the right word. Yeah, Iron Man three. Yeah, I always seem to forget that that's part of the plot. <laughs> like I <Ouch>. agree. <laughs> no, I I, wow. I just always forget that it takes place around Christmas time. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> I think that's it for news, though. Let's uh, let's dive into these episodes. So we are going to do we're not going to do a spoiler free edition of this um, just because we feel like you can go out and watch it because they're only like 20 minutes long after you take out seven minutes of credits. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was very shocked once I looked like once the last scene rolled and I saw credits beginning. I was like, wait, isn't this supposed to be like 32 minutes long? Yeah, I think they're all going to be 30 minutes or so. Or like, not even, right? This was like 22 or something like that. It's like it's an actual TV show where they would take up half-hour blocks, but you would always get like 7 to 10 minutes of commercials, so the whole show was only like 18 minutes long or whatever it is. It's kind of like they're going all in on the sitcom style. Yeah, they definitely really embraced it. And I think that just from the two episodes that we've seen, it might be doing like this decade thing where like every episode is focusing on a different kind of um, it's the sitcom genre, but it's a different decade. Yeah, it does. It does seem to be pushing forward over the two episodes. So the first one starts off with, I guess, kind of like an I Love Lucy intro. And I think they do a really good job with their attention to detail to like matching the deep the decor to even like the dialogue of the characters and the word choice that people are using. Yeah. And the, the, the way that the, like it, it's, it's, it's very set. Like um, the, the, the background, I mean, and like the scenes that you get outside of the neighborhood, you can clearly tell it's, it's, it's on the set, like a backlot set. Yep. Um, which is just one of those like things that you can kind of point to from shows of that era. I think, uh, you know, audience out there, bear with us as we try and figure out what the format is of this, just because these are such short episodes that we can't really break down each individual scene, and there's not that much character development. But I guess if we were going to look at characters, maybe we start with Wanda, and I feel like, yes, yeah, she's in she's in a lot of scenes for this show, but I feel like her only really big scene that stuck out to me that was really memorable was her cooking, um, and she's not totally in control of her magic, uh, but she is aware of her powers and like what she could potentially do. Right. So that first episode had me a little confused for a little bit because I was under the impression that she kind of knew that something was up. But like the the story and the characterization of it kind of seemed to hint that she's fully embraced this this world. Yeah, it's like their only knowledge of their powers come from what's said and what's shown during the that like intro sequence of them uh, like the the announcer talking over them and what and then driving into their parking lot or into their driveway i mean and then walking into the house like that's like the only time 
I guess that's like their only knowledge of their powers. Yeah, and it begs the question as to how much in control are they and what is like what's real and what's fake. Right. Um, for me, Wanda's big kind of scene for me, the, the, at least in that first episode, was that scene at the end where uh, the 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 boss, Vision's boss, and his wife come over for dinner. Yeah. That whole little sequence, um, definitely very like playing on the tropes of shows of back then of like, oh, you got to rush to get like a home cooked meal done. And, you know, playing off of that kind of uh, plot element, I guess. <laughs> um, but the, the the interesting part for me was at the end where it seemed like almost as if the 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 those two other characters were kind of either fighting or starting to question the reality in a way because they started kind of glitching. And all of it kind of ties back to, I guess, trying to get them to 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 reveal some of their pasts a little bit, right? Because the question was basically like, why are you, like, why aren't you married? Why don't you have kids? It's all this like string of whys, and they can't seem to come up with good answers. Yeah, I had this um, written for later on in like the prediction or I guess just general thoughts. But yeah, I had this scene as like the big scene for Vision as well because this is him like. This is where everybody broke character for a second and the show paused. There was no laugh track or like the audience didn't gasp when he was like choking. And then once Vision uses his powers and, and Mr. Hart stands back up, then the laugh track comes back in like full effect. And it's like every word they say is basically like gets a laugh or whatever. So, yeah, it's it. there are these different moments in episode one and two where the show pauses there's like a moment where you could become self-aware if you were Wanda or Vision, but then you just like, you don't get a chance because then the show picks back up. It also, like, I think on my second viewing, I, I, I try to pay as close attention to every time that Wanda uses her powers um, mm-hmm. in the series, but it, I'm, I'm debating with myself as to whether or not she intentionally made him choke at the dinner table because she, she, she almost kind of motions with her hand. Mm. and and he starts he begins to choke and so um the i i don't know i i feel like i i need to kind of like maybe look back on this after the series is done and like we're able to kind of re-binge the whole thing um but the i don't know it it, it gave me the, the whole scene had a little bit of a sinister vibe to it at the end of it where i wasn't quite sure if she was trying to do that to get him to you know to to shut up or if it was something where he just naturally choked because uh, he's fighting against whatever is kind of binding him to it. Um, cause I guess, you know, let's kind of dig into the world. Right. But like their end is very, they're clearly in a world where things are structured out for them to be particularly happy. Yeah. The second episode really drives home the Truman show vibe where it's a, you know, it's a sitcom world designed for Wanda and Vision to live in and not I mean, there's something bigger than just being like born into it, which uh, Jim Carrey was. They're clearly placed into this and there's something like holding them in there. But, yeah, it is an entire world designed around for them. But that being said, I also don't know if the other characters are in on it. And I don't think they are. It seems like they're unwilling and participants. Unna- like, yeah, unwilling participants of that whole thing. But like, yeah, it's a, this big mystery of like, who's doing it, though? Is it all one? Does it not like you, you, you get these different little hints sprinkled throughout the and, and I might be meshing the two episodes here because I, I 
I watch both of them together all the time, but there's there's hints, right? There's like the the little um beekeeper scene. Yeah, there's we got to talk about that one. <laughs> yeah. There's the I'm trying to think of what what else cuz there's different little hints. She she overhears stuff on the radio. There's always these like with every little with every scene of like true hardcore buying into the sitcom aspect of it there's always something that kind of is there to kind of tell you and tell the characters hey something's a bit off right now to try to snap i guess back into some sense of reality yeah i we were talking about this offline the day that it came out and i think personally there are at least for me there's probably a a dozen foreshadowing moments that are very clear once the series wraps up that I'm going to respect a lot later on. But right now they just seem like stuff I can blow, blow past. So what I'm trying to do as I'm watching, watching this is trying to spot what doesn't seem ordinary and, and see if that can, you know, relate to something later on. But it's so hard to pick those out because they're doing such a great job of being, you know, so subtle with their hints. Yeah, I feel like anybody who's interested in watching this show and, and, and I don't know, like this might be like a, a little bit of homework, right? But I, I think it might serve you well to go and watch the, a quick episode of I Love Lucy, a quick episode of Bewitched, maybe the Brady Bunch as we, we've seen the call outs in the trailer for it. But like it, it just seems like these um, these episodes are going to be paying homage to it. But there's also, I think, more of an element like they're playing around with these elements to for something right for some sort of build-up um so it might it might do good to kind of prep for that i didn't really think of it before like i i I think i shared with you offline but like when i was in film school um i took a directing the actors class that basically forced you to watch some sitcoms so i i've watched plenty of (laughs) i love lucy and all these other shows so to me I get a lot of these callouts, but this show just kind of seems to me like you might enjoy it a little bit better if you're either a child of these decades that really, really took a liking to these sitcoms or, you know, you have some sort of understanding of it because it might be it might enrich in the experience just a little bit more that maybe I'm not just catching into it as much um, just as a as a Marvel fanatic and like more of a modern sitcom uh, viewer. Yeah, I kind of took a harsher stance the the day that it came out. I guess because it was I watched it as soon as I woke up because <laughs> I was excited <laughs> to see what what they were gonna do with the series. And I kind of thought like this won't resonate with Marvel fans because Marvel fans are our age or younger, um, and this sort of humor doesn't you know doesn't resonate with us. It does it's not our generation's humor. So why would they take this approach? Uh, and then the when I got to like sit on it and think about it and then rewatch it, it's definitely, yeah, like it's definitely an homage to the evolution of sitcoms. Like they're starting with like a, the I Love Lucy era and then moving into Bewitched. And then, yeah, they'll go into the Brady Bunch and who knows, maybe they'll make their way up to like the 90s of sitcoms as well. And I think what they're just trying to do is give a foothold for basically every generation to find a way into marvel so that you know if it's our parents can find something that they like about this show because it reminds them of their youth shows then they can talk about it marvel with their kids and like learn from each other kind of thing yeah i think there's definitely an element to that here And and i also feel like as a as a comic book reader there's a lot 
to kind of pick at uh, these these two episodes that they kind of bombard you with. Yeah. And that I was very interested in picking up the second and third time uh, because there's a lot to kind of take out there. But um, anyway, when it comes to like character specific moments, though, like I, I feel like a lot of this stuff, um, the, the this show in general is is a huge kind of like a love letter to uh, both Wanda and Vision. And we're getting a lot. We're definitely getting a lot more out of them than we did in the movies, for sure. <laughs> yeah, they already have more screen time than they did before. Let's talk about uh, Easter eggs or or potential foreshadowing moments that was in in uh, episode one. And can I start with my my first yeah. one here? Yeah. So the one that like kind of slapped me in the face the second time I watched, but I totally overlooked the the first time was, I guess the opening scene of episode one where they are discussing what could be the marked event on the calendar and it being August 23rd, a Wednesday. And then I don't know why the first time I didn't care about it, but the second time I was like, well, what's the importance of that date? Like, what does that mean? So I started looking it up and tried to like dive into it a little bit. And I guess the way that a lot of people were looking at this is like trying to relate it to the comic books. Some were saying like, if you, rearrange the date so that it's like the european calendar format where it's day month year it'd be 23 8 which is like an avengers uh i guess comic about vision uh so they thought that was like paying tribute to them but i thought it was something more than that or or bigger than that and i i was looking up like what else could be that date so wednesday the 23rd is i mean that happens Many times, I think it's every, what, 28 years, the day will will repeat its day a week. But the closest one to us is 2023. So it's not totally confirmed, but like the timeline of Endgame was supposed to be in 2023, which is obviously the Wednesday marked here. So personally, I'm thinking that, I mean, this gets into like my predictions and stuff. But I, I think this means that like we're after Endgame and like Wanda's become unstable and she's uh, like from losing vision so she's like put in this world to be monitored he so i i think that you're you may be onto that uh, onto something with that um i'm trying to think through the the comic connection um on it but i think that I, there's only one thing that i can kind of think right like and, and i didn't think about this until you said the whole reverse the uh or take a look at this as, as the european date <laughs> um th- th- there's a couple of call outs that I can kind of think of, right? Let's, um, what's it called? Um, uh, uh, I think there's an issue of Avengers, and let me let me quickly look this up because I might be not like I'm not one of those folks that's like, oh, I remember an issue number three hundred <laughs> and, but I'm pretty sure there's a Avengers comic in the two thirties or so that has like a major event with Wanda and Vision. So let me just really. And I think that was this take. one, and it was like. Vision was trapped in a world or something like that. Um, again, comics aren't really my forte, so I don't really know them that well. That's why I was like, there has to be something else, because oh. not because of any reason, but I don't know. I just thought like it being the same year as or the same day a week as Endgames would have been is like too much of a coincidence to overlook. I think it's, I think it's meant like as a double meaning too. Cause like this, this one, I think the comic connection, if it is, so I just looked up Avengers number 238 mm-hmm. and I'm like, all right, so th- let's, let's, let's play with this number real quick. So 
This is the debut of uh, Monica Rambeau. And also, I think that it, it might be the, the death of Vision or the beginning of the death of, of Vision. But the big call out is the debut of Monica Rambeau. And I'm not sure, was she in this episode or was she in episode two? The organizer or the, the coordinator for the uh, for the magic or the talent show, I think, is what they were saying in episode two. Was her name Monica? Um, yeah, so so her the the character is meant to be Monica Rambeau, who is, if you recall, she's a character in Captain Marvel. Also, she's the daughter of the the pilot that helped, oh yeah yeah that helped uh, Carol. Um, so she that 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 little girl that that's her. So in the comics, she made her debut in Avengers two thirty eight. So if there's any connection to it, I think that's the one that I can kind of draw on it. There might be a deeper one that I'm just like missing here, but just from looking at the cover, that's all I can really infer there. I kind of wish I had a wealth of knowledge from the comics, like specifically in issue numbers, but sadly my brain doesn't work that well on it. So, Well, yeah, I, I don't have that either. Um, and I just hope that they don't do a million payoffs for comic readers. I, I do like when, you know, a certain group gets vindication for caring about something. But if you make it so many deep dives, it's hard to stay interested if it's like, I will never understand the references that they're making. I, but I don't think these are very consequential references. I think that it's kind of like a cool little tease. Oh, but I'm blowing it out of proportion. So <laughs> I'm saying that this is everything. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, uh, in, in this case, I feel like the Monica Rambo thing is probably what they're going for if anything it just seems like a little bit like you gotta like do a little bit of uh, acrobatics there to to get it to line up but if it's also the start or the whatever portion of the timeline of the death of vision that would also make sense to me because then it's like if this is actually after endgame oh it totally is then vision's definitely not actually in this world and it's all just a projection for Wanda. There's one big indication that tells you that this is a hundred percent after Endgame, and that's the um, the logo. If you want to get into that, because I feel like it's part of both episodes. Um, but I, I I can shed a little bit of light on it, and I think episode one, the logo pops up at the end of the of the show, right? Like almost not an after the credits, but like a during the credits kind of thing. You're talking about the sword icon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, why don't you why don't you explain that? Because I know you had texted me a few things about it, but I just don't know enough to translate it. So I base so I went back and oddly enough, I, I was watching Spider Man Far From Home um a couple of days ago. And I don't know why <laughs> I completely um forgot about the after the credit scene in that movie, but they set up sword in that movie already and sword uh for anybody uh was there two a, after credit scenes no no no. It, it was it's i'm talking about the one where uh it's revealed that nick fury's out in space with the with the scrolls. right right yep so in the comics there's two there's two big organizations earth-based organizations that are on the good guy side i guess right it's shield and sword because you know sword and shield <laughs> <laughs> uh, while shield is focused on the defense of, of earth um, sword is focused on the offense of Earth on in terms of extraterrestrial threats and any supernatural um, threats that kind of that, that either the Avengers can't take care of or uh, ultimately they in every story that they're a part of they're always like the 
um, the, the the organization that calls out threats as they're coming in. So like, like if you're ever like like red shirts from Star Trek, like if you ever need to use somebody as cannon fodder, it's always stored agents that are like, oh no, Thanos is on his way to Earth. We should probably send a signal <laughs> or something. So that's the kind of role that they've played uh, <laughs> in the book. So it's it's think of it as Shield, but in space and dealing with the supernatural. Okay. Um, so that's that was the whole point of like they showed their their base with the scrolls at the end of Far From Home. Right. So that organization you're led to kind of believe is set up by Nick Fury after the events of um, of I guess Infinity War, right? Because technically by the time of Endgame they already have this whole operation set up. But um, it was it's it's supposed to be a response to threats that come out from like another worldly kind of thing. So to see the icon now, I would have to venture to guess that they're going to play a very, very important, an important part to this. And it doesn't seem like, it seems like they're taking over for shield basically is what it comes down to. Cause from everything that's kind of, that goes on in, in these two episodes, it sounds like they're trying to reach out to Wanda instead of being like the ones that you would immediately be like, Oh, they put her in this position. You get what I mean? Yeah, but at this point, sorry if this is getting off topic, but isn't Shield um, disbanded after Captain America: Winter Soldier? Shield is, but I guess Sword isn't. <laughs> so, so what? Shield could be infiltrated by Hydra, but Shield or Shield could be, but Sword can't be. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Good question. I, I don't. I don't think Sword is an organization that necessarily has been around as long as Shield has in the in the movies because i think we would probably get some sort of hint of them before but we haven't i don't know i'm, I'm just speculating here but that that's what i, I would like, i could see them doing like a we were always in the background type of thing <laughs> <laughs> hydra has been infiltrated or has infiltrated <laughs> a sword as well i don't know like it, it's it's definitely it opens up the the uh what you call it it's like turning gears for me in my head and basically just being like all right if we're going if we're introducing sword and we're actually going full on with that, then that means we're we're going to get certain characters that they're kind of tied into. And I'm thinking like stuff characters like Annihilus and like like big characters that were kind of you know like who is the next Thanos kind of thing. Um, so that that's where I'm heading <laughs> with in terms of like where I what the uh importance of this organization is um they definitely will have a a large presence here so i don't think this is something that they're necessarily going to just save for this show and drop it for the overall mcu yeah i think this is something bigger to come and i i mean it's obvious that they're behind the whole world this like sitcom world for wanda it's just to what extent are they actually good guys and they're just monitoring her because she's checked herself in or did they forces upon her or are they infiltrated by bad guys? Yeah, there's still too That's much left, what's left to figure out answered for it. What about some of the other stuff, the changing course? What about some of the other stuff in episode one? Like um, the commercials, like the commercial breaks. I kind of I kind of like those. They were like out of nowhere and i thought they were pretty funny <laughs> in this one we had the toast mate 2000 commercial where uh it was definitely misogynistic <laughs> <laughs> with the wife burning your toast line but uh is this foreshadowing i i, 
I saw this potentially as foreshadowing when she makes uh, dinner or breakfast for dinner, or could it just be a way to like throw Stark's name in there? It kind of looked like it was like a robot the way they designed it. Yeah, I, I I took it as almost like these are segments of her memories just kind of coming back and recalling important people in her life or something like maybe like if if we're assuming that she's trapped in this that that might be her way of kind of trying to recall certain things and certain events that have happened to her. I think you're right. Yeah, it, they, they were very neat though because like I I was um not to kind of get off topic but like I I, I was. I've been down the rabbit hole of like looking at TikTok videos this this week <laughs> to entertain myself <laughs> as as I struggle to find something to do, right? Um, but there's a whole little channel where people have uploaded old 1950s and 1940s, 1950s to 1960s commercials, like Folgers Coffee and all that, and it's like the most misogynistic things. Yeah. Um, but they're definitely like these, um, the spot, especially for the toast mate was very much reminiscent of it. And it's so funny to kind of see it being, um, reproduced in this way. Uh, but they're fun, which is is great. Like, like I said before, like attention to detail and, and making sure that every aspect of this sitcom or this, yeah, the sitcom within the show is all within that time period. And there's no like continuity errors. It also kind of reminds me of a call out to when you're reading a traditional comic, like there's always little commercials for random things in between. I, I feel like we should probably revisit this after and then just kind of take a look at these, especially these little like Easter egg moments, because I yeah. feel like there's a lot that we probably it's probably building up to something and we just aren't seeing it right now because we're literally just getting small puzzles. We're, we're too zoomed in. Yeah. Yeah. The f- let's uh, let's talk episode two now, though. So this one kind of had like a bewitched style intro, which I thought was cool that um, they're changing up the intros. At least I'm going to guess that they're going to change the intro for the third one. But it seems like they're kind of evolving the timeline, um, which also obviously works on the witch power of Wanda. Right. We went from the 50s to the 60s with this episode. (laughs) So there's what, eight episodes? So if we're gaining a decade every time. I think that's how it's going to go, probably. Puts like up until a certain point the 2020s bring me back oh. to my 2023 <laughs> I, i'm waiting for the reba mcintyre styled episode <laughs> that's the only two that early 2000s sitcom that i can remember a little bit well what's the one with um john goodman oh um roseanne right that, yeah, that'll I, be the I 90s. one of the episodes kind of looked like that from the trailer that we'll probably get a roseanne themed one for the 90s I think if they're going with, but then it also has to be like witch related. So I'd be surprised if Sabrina didn't make a a appearance like the style, not Sabrina, the teenage witch. But it seems like I wonder how they're selecting these ultimately. Like, is it is it just like what's the most iconic sitcom of the decade or is it? I don't know. (laughs) Well, Lucy has no wish connection. So, yeah, I think it, it, it might just be the iconic sitcom. But I'd like if they like tried to work in as many witch sitcoms as possible. Yeah. Well, if there are, I'm trying to think of like, other than Sabrina, right? Like you already mentioned Sabrina, but like, is there another one that we can kind of lean into? I'm very like sitcom uneducated on this. <laughs> I can't recall one off the top of my head. Wasn't there like a Disney one? Some oh, like yeah. Twitches or something. <laughs> Twitches. <laughs> no, that was a movie. 
Yeah, I, I guess I don't know that many either. All right, let's move on. Like I said before, though, this this show, this episode really gave me Truman Show vibes when you start to yeah. see like the set break apart. Um, thinking specifically of, well, the beekeeper at the end, but specifically of the helicopter dropping in. Yeah, very, and an Iron Man color palette too. Which also, yeah, which also gave me kind of like the Giver vibes as well where it was like the one thing of color and like how that changes the whole world around the main character who could see it. Yeah. And she clearly can only see in black and white as well, because it wasn't until the end of the episode that color started coming around and she was like amazed by it. Yeah. She's like, Oh, we're we're getting into the seventies, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But let's look at some of the characters. Uh, I think Agnes kind of wins this episode for me. Yeah. The neighbor. Neighbor to I, the right. I've got Her my right. theories on Agnes, but I, I yeah, she was the, the standout character, I think, for in terms of the supporting cast. Because they um she was also in the first episode, right? She's the one that kind of came she in. She was, and, but she wasn't like she stole the show. I mean, yeah. she came in dropped like three husband jokes in the matter of like a <laughs> minute and thirty seconds. So like she kind of got my attention there, uh, but I wouldn't have made like any fan theories off of her in the first episode. But this episode, I think, you know, the fans have really run away with uh, guessing who she is and like what her role will be. Yep. But let's go over some of the lines, though, that she drops in this one. So, like, I think the big one during the helicopter scene. Well, isn't it? Well, isn't it the star of the show? She says something like that, right? When she's yeah. talking to Wanda. Like, that is just, like, Truman Show, like, poking fun at it. So, I almost think she's, like, in on the deception. Yeah, she, so, she gives me the the vibes of, like, the person that is there to make sure that you're drinking the Kool-Aid kind of thing. Right. Um, especially that second line you noted on here, too. And I know, like, I, like, that's the thing that kind of called, that's the line that called my attention the most is, like, when they're when they went to talk uh, uh with the committee about the talent show they uh there's a line that and i'm forgetting the character's name that was the main um uh the, the head of the or of the little committee they got there the most popular housewife i guess of the of the neighborhood right is that the way that they got dotty there you go yeah um she said the devil's in the details and then like agnes repeats it back to one and she's like well that's not the only place he's in yeah, which is a huge comic book thing, right? Can yes, so it immediately... So that coupled with... And I'll throw this in here just because I know we're just focused on lines here, but I, I feel like um, earlier in the episode, right before they head there, she hands over her pet rabbit to um, to Wanda, and she calls it uh, Senor Scratch, right? So Mr. Scratch, Senor Scratch, whatever you want to like view it. <laughs> um, so Mr. Scratch in the comics is the demon name of Mephisto, um, who oddly enough, his human form, I guess, is the son of this character named um, Agatha Harkness. Um, Mephisto is basically the devil. He's, he's, he's basically the Satan of the Marvel Universe. That's how he's always been kind of uh, described. Um, the only reference that I can kind of give the audience in terms of like where have we maybe seen him before if you've seen any of the sony ghost rider movies with nicholas cage (laughs) 
Um, nope. if, you, <laughs> if you have, God bless you. <laughs> um, if you haven't, God bless you even more. Um, but basically, he makes an appearance as this very gothic, almost like Green Day <laughs> band member kind of uh, person. But um, he's very much tied to the origins of a lot of characters, um, like Doctor Strange, like um, a Ghost Rider. Uh, vengeance i'm trying to think of these other like a whole bunch of basically the horror side of the marvel universe you wouldn't have without mephisto he's like the yeah maybe another reference that isn't him but his look is um hazazel in yeah x-men uh like the what was it x-men on origins first class Uh, first class yeah yeah it's like the devil looking guy there who like evaporates and goes from place to place not those abilities but that look and uh, at least from what i've seen <laughs> azazel is supposed to be his son apparently. oh really yeah <laughs> all right then there you go straight connection there um he but yeah cool. just, just just like just picture satan and give him a purple cape and there you go that's mephisto <laughs> um it's it makes sense though to me to to to, to poke um or at least make reference to him because we're we're, we're getting uh, we're getting Blade, uh, starring Mahershala Ali soon. So it sounds to me like we're going to be delving into that um, that realm of the Marvel Universe. So, you know, maybe they're tying him in here. It just seems too on the nose for it not to be a reference to Mephisto. And and if, and that makes me kind of fig- like figure maybe he's got a, something to do with what's going on here, too. Something like above sword maybe yeah right and i and to add on to the point of agnes probably being in on the whole gag or whatever you want to call it if you watch her closely during the talent show you can see she's like visibly nervous when wanda's doing magic while everyone else is like shocked or curious how they're doing the tricks she's like nervous that wanda's going to get outed and like the whole reality quote unquote is going to like crumble uh like in in on itself because we've already seen in the first episode when reality started like falling apart, uh, it had to come back in a different way. And then we see it again at the end of this episode. Right. And and she seems to like not she she seems to be like not um not perturbed by some of the stuff that maybe should be catching her um off guard. There's the whole repeated line of for the children in this yeah. episode. What is that about? that's the so that was the big comic book thing for me um that kind of like laid things out for me and i was like all right i think i know where they're heading with this show now yeah um so can you get into that because i have no idea like, <laughs> the only thing the only connection i can make to that was that wanda was pregnant at the end and i never saw any children in the neighborhood so i could be remember i could be butchering this a little bit but i'll i'll, I'll, I'll do my best to try to like make sure i'm getting this as right as i can right but so there's a couple different stories that I feel like this show is blending into one. Uh, we got the Vision series that was, I think, a recent release. It was maybe three or four years ago. A really good book. Um, and it basically just describes Vision creating his own family, living the suburban life. There's the death of Vision from the Avengers, which is where Wanda goes berserk and basically um, alters reality for everybody and ends up eliminating mutants, which leads into the House of M story. So I think all of that stuff is getting blended into this. But basically, 
there is a storyline in the comics where Wanda lives in this false reality that's her own doing and Mephisto's doing where she basically idealizes what her life would have been with her being married, having kids and all this. And and this is where wacky comic book stuff comes into play. She basically ends up using a piece of Mephisto's soul to bring her children to life. Um and at the end of the at, at, at the end of the day, what ends up happening is it, it was all Mephisto's plan because he wanted to use Wanda's kids to give him a vessel to come into into the universe and into reality, basically. Um so that's that's why I was like, all right, that coupled with the devils in the details line, I was like, okay, so we are gonna like this this story is gonna focus on Wanda and Vision's kids. And their role in potentially bringing Mephisto into the Marvel Universe. Which would then explain why Doctor Strange 2 is called the Multiverse of Madness. Because clearly things go way out of control by the end of the show. Or so it kind of seems to allude that that's where we're heading. Yeah, well it's not really Wanda and Vision's child, right? Like if this is all a projection or like alter reality and he's not actually there... It, like it's so, just like a child by magic right so that's the other thing that i'm thinking like i think that if they're if they're altering the story at any point that maybe what she did was make a deal with the devil kind of thing and say like i want vision back okay but in exchange you know i want your two kids <laughs> and her thinking she you know she's got nothing to worry about does the trade because she and vision clearly can never have kids but now that's kind of out the window so to speak i i don't know i don't know this is me just speculating but i feel like every time you have mephisto in a storyline that's usually what it involves is you make a deal with him and then you regret it a lot of marvel characters have done it <laughs> ghost rider's done it uh wanda's done it spider-man's done it <laughs> and wonder woman's done it now too <laughs> yeah <laughs> the truth is all we have it is all we have um <laughs> Except for in this universe where we're trapped in sitcom reality here. But yeah, yeah, that's my brief synopsis, or as brief as I could get to it on it. Um, okay, well that that jumps into some of like the Easter egg foreshadowing moments then. I was th- I was asking about the For the Children. One that stuck out to me was the Hackensack was mentioned, which is a reference to a, a town in New Jersey which is also right next to a Westview, which is the town that this is set in. So it makes me, I don't know, New Jersey comes up several times in the MCU. Uh, none more prominent than Steve Rogers' birthplace, quote unquote, uh, like the birthplace of Captain America. So I don't know, maybe there's some sort of tie in there because S.H.I.E.L.D. has had a presence on that army base. Possible? I don't know, maybe. We're going to get a ton of New Jersey characters coming in this year, I think. I hope we get the Sopranos and they're talking like pork roll versus Taylor Ham. <laughs> like, really tailor, <laughs> really tailor the whole like conversation to something that will only resonate with me. <laughs> I just want somebody to randomly go in there and be like, hey, Tony. And then like start off this whole tirade of... <laughs> <laughs> if they don't t- talk about the turnpike and like like taxes and <laughs> and tolls i'll be upset i want a chris christie cameo <laughs> get him in there he's got nothing else doing to do right now just get him in there get him in the miss marvel well, show. you already mentioned mephisto so oh damn. 
there you go. Chris Christie is in the MCU confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of New Jersey tie in there. And I also say that because uh, like the radio uh, quote earlier on in the episode of Wanda, like someone coming over the radio waves saying, Wanda, who's doing this to you? Can't really tell whose voice it is. I know it's not, but it like part of it kind of sounded like Captain America. Maybe it's that FBI agent that's from Ant Man. I forget his name. Yeah, it did sound like Randall Park's voice uh, for it. The, the 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 guy who had uh was basically monitoring uh, Ant Man while he was under under house arrest, right? And we see him in the trailer too, so it would make sense um, that he would maybe be like trying to break in into the projection. Yeah. So that's definitely something to watch out for. See how his character gets tied in and see who else like who else is trying to break in and break her out. That beekeeper scene too from this like it's not necessarily an easter egg, right? But like Yeah, the- talk to me about that cuz like I had no idea what that was supposed to be. Is that supposed to be Mephisto or is that supposed to be like so on my second viewing, I think, or my third, I, I don't know, one of the viewings at this point, <laughs> it definitely wasn't the first one. <laughs> um, I noticed the guy has the sword logo on his back. So it's definitely yeah. somebody from sword coming in, like trying to break through. It was significant because it definitely was enough to disrupt what was going on. Right. So clearly they're trying to reach her through the radio and through this guy coming into this world. The big call out for me though is like she it was Wanda herself that like almost recognizes like, hey, this isn't right. Like this isn't this isn't yeah, supposed she to be said no to it. Yeah, and she reround time. So is Did she or did someone with the remote do that? So she she did she like waved her hand to to almost like in a rewind fashion. I don't even know if that makes sense, but like you know, like count the counter circle. As Beyonce <laughs> would say, to the left. To the left, yeah. <laughs> And and like things went back to to normal. So oh, I missed the hand movement. Then it further brings back this question of like, is she in control? Is somebody else in control? Like, it seems to be like it's obviously like on purpose. It's ominous, right? Like we don't know who it is, but um, clearly they're making a lot of effort to try to to try and reach her. Yeah, I feel like Sword thinks they're in control. The FBI wants to break her out of it but then what's secretly going on beyond sword's knowledge is that wanda's doing something with mephisto or mephisto's doing something to wanda yeah and then we have the hydra reference which yeah I think the, the here. other commercial break in this episode the strucker watch which you brought <laughs> up in the last in our like prep episode uh strucker not striker <laughs> They all have very similar names, honestly. Like we we can blame <laughs> '60s to '80s comic book creators for that. Like, yeah. Um, it is kind of funny though. Like you get names like Peter Parker, Bruce Banner. It's like they have all these like same kind of like patterns to them. Um, yeah, but to your to your point that you made earlier, like these commercials, they might just be like a funny way to break some momentum up, but. In a larger sense, there were me- like little memories of people that were important to her. So, like the Stark family name, it was important to her life. Strucker was because he was the scientist that, uh, I guess, tested on her and and 
gave her her powers or amplified her powers. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see what other commercials happen next. I want. I hope somebody is able to kind of make a compilation of these commercials once the series is done. Because I have a feeling that there's like hidden meaning here that we're just not catching. And and I wanted to kind of break this a little bit further, but like I don't get what the connections between Tony, like the Starks and Toasters are, and like Strucker and a watch, right? Like. Strucker and a watch might be a little bit more on the nose in terms of like maybe it's relating something to time. Um, well, that's that's the only thing I can see is that there is like a long term or like big picture connection of the people's names, but then also like a micro connection of the episode. So like the first episode was a toaster, and then she made breakfast for dinner, and then this episode is a watch, which yes is time, and you can rewind time just the way that she rewind that's like, right. rewind the episode. So there's like a micro and a macro, I guess, comparison to, to her life and the episode. There's just a lot that I guess I didn't appreciate on my first watch that I was just like, I'm like thinking about it and even talking about it right now. It's like, uh, yeah. And that's what I think the cool aspect of this show is like, I came into this, like being, this is at the very bottom of my list of the MCU slot of, of releases so I didn't have huge expectations and then I felt left down like let down when I was watching it like I was texting you like this has to be a joke of an episode right like they're not going to do all of them like this like they can't be serious and then I sat on it over the weekend thought about it saw some other people's breakdowns and then gave it a rewatch and now I'm like really invested trying to look for little details and not even coming from like a comic book stance because I don't know that stuff, but just being like, let me pick this apart and see how this could foreshadow to a future episode or what could be the like bigger connection here. Yeah, I think I, I texted you this too, but like I feel like ultimately this show is going to be one of those that even right now, it kind of feels like they probably should have given us all the episodes at once because this yeah. seems like truly a huge one like one arc story um like if it was a movie and you broke it out a little bit awkwardly right so i i, I can't wait to re-binge it as maybe it was meant to be watched you know like we, we also got to keep in mind that these shows were made or started production during a time when they weren't quite sure how they were going to handle releasing things on disney plus so it could have been meant to, to release as a binge and just you know, the higher-ups just kind of made the call of, like, no, you're going to split these out into several episodes kind of thing. Yeah, that was our initial text, was, like, after we got through the whole, this is a joke, we then moved into, this feels like I would want to binge it all on one, like, rainy Saturday. This isn't, like, give me two episodes to start, I'm hooked, now give me one episode a week, or if it's two episodes a week, it's not that kind of show. It's the give us everything up front. Same thing that like Netflix does when they release a whole season. Just give us everything. Let us watch it on our own time. Yeah. I'm excited of what this means for the overall MCU universe too. Because I feel like, and this is something you and I used to talk to after we saw Endgame. But, you know, we, we were like, where do, we, where do you take the universe next that'll like, excite people, right? And like this breaks the mold of like the cookie cutter vision of the MCU that we saw before. Um, and I, it just, like, you get what I mean? Like at first you're like, oh, this doesn't feel MCU. Well now we're kind of breaking that. And like a 50 sitcom could be MCU feeling, you know, like, um, it's just kind of giving us more like 
room, I guess, to explore different uh, ways that you can look at a Marvel movie. Yeah, and it's doing it with characters that, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I'm not entirely that interested in, you know, like it's two characters that didn't get that much screen time in the MCU. And I mean, I kind of wanted them both to get a little bit more. But the only time that they brought them in was like as a rom-com type of, uh, I guess, thread. So, yeah, I mean, they're they're doing something where they're able to expand the, the potential of the universe in a way that was not expected. Um, just one more thread, like common thread that I noticed before we go into, I guess, overall take, which we kind of have covered, and predictions. The There's this thread going on that every time, we had talked about this before too, like the reality breaking apart or unfolding. Anyone who like threatens that is harmed and either needs to be saved or like put into check. So... Like, looking at the first episode, Mr. Hart chokes when he, like, pushes Wanda to answer his questions of, like, who she is, where she's come from, whatnot. Then she starts, then he starts to choke. And then either Wanda or Vision have to save him. And then when Dottie breaks, like, Donnie hears this Wanda, who's doing this to you over the airwaves, she then starts to, like, break down the reality and be like, wait, who are you and who, like, what are you doing here and then, like, the glass breaks in her hands and she starts to bleed and Wanda has to save her by, like, wrapping the hand up. And then the same idea with the beekeeper when it it would just cause, like, the rewind scene. So I think this is, like, one thing we have to pay attention to in future episodes, that someone's going to try and break the reality and then they're punished for it. And I wonder if these are characters of consequence, too. Like, is it, you know, is Mr. Hart actually, like, a top-level fbi agent is he like a top level sword agent um is Dottie somebody who we haven't like met before like i I, like i've seen people on twitter and social media speculate that this is clea from dr strange and she's there trying to help out too and i'm like well a weird way to introduce her but it could be i mean like i'm not taking anything off the table (laughs) with this show at this point i mean it could be we'll have to get more examples but so far, the only like common thread between the two that I see is that they're like people in position of power over the individuals. So Mr. Hart is right. Vision's boss, and then Dottie is like basically the queen of the neighborhood who Wanda needs to like report up to. So that's the only connection I see between the two now. We would need like a third point to be able to figure out could these be potential characters or are they just like important people in their lives that day right right and then i also like the only two people that i can tie back into you know being of consequence at this point is i guess the coordinator of the event which was uh which is monica rambo mm-hmm. um and then the, the friend wanda's friend i'm pretty sure that is the the character of agatha harkness from the comics which would make sense because in the comics she's like wanda's magic teacher um so it kind of makes sense that that's you know they're tying her close and very directly to her in that way uh but everybody else i don't like i don't know i'm I'm curious to kind of see who they can end up being um and what like what's going on (laughs) (laughs) yeah i didn't write anything for our prediction section just because like i cannot predict what will come on an episode to episode basis all i can do is like guess that this is like big picture like we had talked about this yeah. is 
sword thinking they're in charge of this reality that she's in but in real like but what they don't know is that she's doing something with mephisto either she knows it or she is having it done to her yeah and i kind of got into my predictions already with wanda's kids and all that Mm -hmm. um so you know so i think i'll leave that as my prediction side of it but i guess just to kind of sum up my thoughts on it though like i i feel like at, it, it took me two watch, uh, two watches for each each of these episodes to really appreciate what they're trying to do here. Even mm-hmm. though, like, it's, I feel like I appreciate it without actually knowing what the heck they're actually building up to. Still, yeah, it just, it's, it's so different. I think it's bold of them to try to do this in this manner, right? There's, there's so many other ways they could have done this. Um, like if they wanted to do like a third person perspective that is like looping the audience in on everything, then we could have immediately gotten a build up to her getting into this kind of reality right but um at first i was annoyed that there was no build up and then after after watching it twice and then the three times <laughs> um <laughs> i i appreciate the fact that they literally just dropped us in and i i guess are confident that viewers are smart enough to kind of pick up the pieces as we kind of go along and figure it out themselves um which is good because like i don't think any of the comic book stuff i'm referencing is of any consequence just yet i feel like it's one of those things where like if you don't know it it might be a bigger payoff for you down the line um instead of being like vital to to understanding the the story at this point anyway yeah i completely agree with you that it's a second watch that does it justice um, and if anyone's listening that hasn't watched it at all and is planning, if you're only going to watch it one time ever, I would probably watch it all one consecutive. I mean, we're going to watch it on the individual episode basis and then probably once or twice through after afterwards. So I agree that it, it, it would have benefited from being released all at once, but understanding that they have like their own release schedule and they're, they're going to do whatever they want. That's fine. Um, I think, I think the major thing that works for me on this show is what they've pulled from like the Truman show. The reason that the Truman show worked was because it let you in on the secret and you were just watching to see if Jim Carrey figured out the secret and what he would do, what his choice would be. Um, And that's kind of what we're watching here is we know there's a secret of some sort of alternate reality and now it's just watching how Wanda will play it out. Will she choose to live in it like she chose to rewind that moment? Or will she eventually break out and be like, this isn't real. This isn't for me. I need to I need to go live my life in the real world. Yeah, I, I, I expect the show to have like a tragic end to it, honestly, because, you know, it just it, it doesn't seem to Scarlet, which as a character has always been a character of tragedy, too um so i feel like that's kind of where we're heading which is um which is going to be interesting to kind of see it because i feel like marvel has kind of shied away a little bit from uh heavier tones up until the last two avengers movies i feel like we really started tackling things on there and and i got it like i gotta say and i mentioned i i watched i rewatched far from home recently right but these last couple of marvel movies have really been or, or marvel projects i guess overall have really been not shying away from tackling character deaths um yeah heavier themes like far from home um basically dealt with the whole fake news fiasco thing 
like the illusion of people buying into things that aren't necessarily real, which yeah. is very timely. And it's a very smart way to play on that theme without actually throwing anything directly in your face. Um, and I hope that that kind of continues through here and that they're able to use Disney Plus as a platform to, you know, maybe give them exactly what they're doing here. Like take a character that people don't really care all that much about um, and make it something that people do care about. Um, they, they've done it so well already. Like, I, I don't think before we had an MCU that people really knew who Iron Man or Captain America was. Like, they certainly weren't as popular as Superman or Batman, but now you can make the argument that they're even more popular. Yeah, just touching on that like that first point you made uh, about Wanda being a character of tragedy, I'm already hoping that she gets like a good closure out of this because at the end of Endgame... All the other superheroes got their closure. They were reunited with their families, or they just felt this like sense of, you know, completion of finishing off Thanos and saving the world. And now they can kind of like retire in peace or whatever. But she never really got to get revenge for Vision or get him back. So, I mean, there was, there's, like the end of that movie is so melancholy and especially that scene where she's like just getting a moment to like mourn or think about vision because she just lost vision and then disappeared for five years and then came back still in that mindset of him being dead. Um, But I hope that this show kind of resolves that where she can be like, I'll always miss him or whatever, but like I need to go live my life type of thing. Yeah. Well, I don't she, know if we'll we, get that, but... We didn't see a funeral for Vision 2, which is really messed up. Come on, Avengers, do better. Well, he, he wasn't real. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah, if, if I was her, the moment I'd come back, I'd be like, all right, where did you where did you leave his body? Did you recycle him? Like, what what did you do? Where's his, where's his, where's his burial site? I'd like to go visit it. Yeah. Ooh, uh, Wanda, about that. <laughs> Um, we basically just got rid of him. We never got around to it. (laughs) We handed him back to Wakanda so they could recycle the vibranium. (laughs) That'd be messed up. Damn. No, but he's salvageable, right? Like, just load him up with the latest graphics card, give him a new GPU, you know, and then, uh, you know, what what do they say? Better boom, better boom. You got it. There you go. You reboot your vision right there. You don't have to go through this alternate <laughs> reality warping adventure, Wanda. You you got your man, so you just gotta go revive him. Yikes! All right, <laughs> I think on that note we can leave it off. Unless you have any last ideas or or thoughts. No, I think that's uh that about covers it. I'm I'm excited for episode three. Um, and honestly, like I just I'm I'm just glad we have new Disney Plus content to consume. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited about that too. Um, we might have gone a little long on this episode, but there was two episodes to break down, so uh, we don't really know the release schedule from here on out. It might just be one episode at a time, but uh, yeah, you you can be sure that we will watch the next episode, do a little breakdown as well. Uh, but if you think we missed anything here, or if you want to add anything to the conversation. Feel free to email us at behind the fourth wall podcast at gmail.com, fourth being four th, or hit us up on Twitter at bt fourth wall. Uh, yeah, we look, we'd uh, love to hear your side of the conversation. But uh, until then, thanks for listening.